that. Uh, and this week, uh, you survived the suffering one. So that's, that's good. Uh, we made it through suffering, uh, at least talking, starting to talk about it. And today we are talking about what eternal hope in an aging body looks like. Fun, huh? Another light one. There you go. There you go. I think a lot of us, yeah, a lot of us could be like, hey, that's, that's me. That's, that's where I'm living. That's what I'm trying to figure out. So let's just be honest that our culture doesn't do well with aging. Uh, some cultures throughout history have. Some cultures have really respected elders and really held elders up. Um, we're not yet good at that. Hopefully we become good at that. There's also the interesting thing of like for most of human history, we didn't have this many years. And so there's even the like learning how to do that as, as a people. There's also the disparity, uh, like the difference between life expectancy for men and women and across racial lines, across economic, like there's a lot of just differences. And even within that, there is a expectation of like how good the years are that just kind of differ by, by family, by city, by where we live, by how we live, all those kind of things. There's just, there's a lot in here. We're not trying to solve any of that, but just trying to be honest that like, man, an aging body looks different depending on how our aging body looks in, in gender, in economic class, in race, and all of these kind of things. In genetics, uh, it just looks different. There's also this weird thing in our culture, and I will call it weird, that we really glorify youth and put a lot of pressure on that. Um, really, like, even, we talk really young about the good old days, as if, like, they were only when we were in high school or college. Like, that's kind of depressing if you're in high school and not liking it. It's depressing to have a bunch of adults be like, those were my favorite. Like, oh, great, what do I have to look forward to? Durant says this sometimes. You know, he's like, oh, i got to go to school again. And my response is like, oh, it's great, you work the rest of your life. That is wonderful. And he's like, uh, like that, that's, that doesn't fill me with hope, Dad. Thanks, thanks a lot for that one. Because you're telling me these are my best years, and I'm saying that I don't like math. And we sometimes act like there should be some antidotes to our reality, right? Like we should be able to fix aging. We, there should be a pill or a cream or a something that makes it go away. And that's, that's just not the way that it works, not the way that God intended. There's something else. And so we're going we're gonna to start off where we left off last week um, and just we're going to sit for a moment in prayer. And I'm going to let you kind of sit by yourself for a moment and just be aware of like, okay, even when I say that we're going to spend the next 20-ish minutes talking about eternal hope in an aging body, how is your body responding? And then we're going to ask God to speak and we're going to actually go back to a text that we looked at last week and finish it up, okay? So get comfortable. This is only like 45 seconds. But just sit still in it. What's happening in you, in your body? What are you aware of? When you know for the next little bit, we're going to talk about 
this eternal hope held in an aging body. Jesus, we thank you that you're with us. That you are the God that's near. And we ask that you be near us today. Guide this time. Let it be what each one of us needs uniquely as your spirit does that. And and we give you this, our openness as our act of worship. In your name. Amen. Okay, does anyone, did anyone have anything happen? Were you aware of anything that you want to share uh, as we did that? We're going to have a couple points where I'm not asking a rhetorical question, and you can talk back if you want. There's no pressure, but it'll get awkward if we never do. Anybody have anything? Why don't parents get sleep? Yeah. Yeah, so we used to turn back the, or no, when you turn it forward, we used to turn it forward at like noon, and be like, oh, like, I'm stealing an hour all day from you, because it's not fair to do in the middle of the night. Yeah, time change, like, messes us up a little bit. It's okay for us to admit that. I know some teachers are even like, hey, that next week is weird, because kids are weird anyway, but they're weird as time changes, and yeah. Okay, we're going to look at this passage, 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at 16 through 18, and, and we're looking at the NIV translation this week. Usually, I, we switch it up sometimes. This is going to be NIV. Look up whatever you want on your devices. I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we're going to look at it kind of chunk by chunk, Okay. So here's what we see. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. All right, we're going to start with the very beginning there. Therefore, we do not lose heart. This is a a callback. If you've got your device, look at the uh, first verse of this chapter. It begins with the idea of don't lose heart. This is a theme that we get. uh, Jesus talks about this, take heart. We see don't lose heart come up in the letters over and over. What, What all is happening here, and what is this particular callback to? This callback is to the treasure that we have. That we are not proclaiming that we ourselves are the good news. We're not proclaiming that we've got it figured out. 
we're proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is a callback to this idea of light breaking into darkness. We don't want to lose heart because though it is dark, light is breaking through. It's a callback that we don't want to lose heart because this treasure is real and it's stored within us. We talked about this last week with that little candle, right? This treasure is in us. Though we are like clay jars, that is part of the good news. We're fragile. We're made by other hands. We're susceptible to suffering and pain, yet we do not have to lose heart because none of those things change the treasure. None of those things change what it is that we hold on to. And this verse continues on and says, though outwardly we are wasting away, he's not mincing words here, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So this inner and outer, does this remind you of anything else that, that Paul writes of? Anywhere, anywhere else that you guys can think of? There's points where he talks about like old creation, new create. you are a new creation, the old is gone, the new is come. Like, he'll often use these like contrasts, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's often this like old and new, inner and outer, like this, these two things going on in tension with each other at the same time. This comes from how Paul viewed God breaking in, how God viewed like the end of times and, and eschatology and all of this kind of stuff. That will often, like I'm, I'm 43, often people who are anywhere near me, like, end times and Jesus coming back, all that is like left behind books, right? And, and Kirk Cameron movies and maybe some scary stuff we saw. I remember we got scared to death in confirmation. They showed us these horrible movies and then they were like, you're going to confirm Christ today, right? Like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like just scary, scary stuff is how a lot of us have seen. And then we just like avoid the book of Revelation or parts of Daniel or stuff because it all feels scary. The way Paul understood was that the end times were all around Jesus. Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and return. And three of those things had already happened. He had, Jesus had lived, Jesus had died, Jesus had rose. And so the end times had already begun. The end of it was already started. Jesus hadn't returned yet, but like all of this had begun. And that's how we viewed this. And so the, the inner is because of that. It's because Jesus had already rose. So the inner us is renewed day by day. Because we are living in that time when God's kingdom had broke through. There's this term, already not yet, that we sometimes hear of. It was taught, uh, used a lot around the time of Jesus, around the time of Paul. The, the outer is wasting away because the outer belongs to the already. It belongs to this world that is, uh, in the words of C.K. Barrett, belongs to this world that is passing away. Like this is, is 
fading, it's fragile, it's breaking. We feel the breaking. We're told at other points of Scripture that the, the, the rocks will cry out, the creation groans. Like, that's all part of the, the old, right? But it's at the same time. They're happening at the same time. There's an overlap of both things here. And so it's, it's strange that we live at a time when, like, our bodies are, they're decaying, even though we're in them. They're aging, even though we're in them. And we're told that inside there is a hope that gets renewed. Newer, newer, every single day. I might have a new pain when I woke up, and I might have a new hope. And both of those happen. I mean, I told you all last year, I, I still can't get over it. I broke my foot walking. I'm at that stage of my life. That feet just break because I walk. And yet, I belly laugh more now. Because there's a hope that's, that's newer. And those continue to coexist. They continue to follow the same trajectory. And one wins out, right? One gets our attention more than the other. That's part of the choice here. Paul goes on and he talks about our troubles right now. And your troubles, you're probably thinking of something right now. One, two, 40 things right now. He says this, he, he calls them light and momentary troubles. The NRSV says that they're slight momentary afflictions. Now, if somebody looks at your life, if I come to you and you explain all of your troubles and I say they sound light and momentary, you probably want to punch me in my throat. <laughs> because that feels very dismissive, doesn't it? But we know that Paul does not belittle pain. We know that he calls pain pain and suffering suffering. So there's something else going on here. This is a comparative statement. He says that, that when we are faced with the glory that we will know and the experience that has begun and is to come more and more, as we go forward and we're made newer and newer and newer and all of this is happening, that what now is very troubling will be seen as light and momentary next to all of that. Usually at this point, the person with the microphone argues for 10 minutes about why Paul is right. I want to ask you, how do those words hit you? When there's this idea of this glory that we are supposed to know in part right now, but is becoming more and more our reality, and someday will be everything, and that glory is so big that these troubles that are very real and very painful will be seen as light and momentary next to that. How does that, how does that feel? How do those words hit you? Do they feel insensitive? Do they feel out of touch? Or does it even, you can answer it. What's your answer? Yeah. Okay, the light and momentary, they're building themselves up. They're building up a big, big 
No, no, I love that. And if, like last week, he talked about the things that are chronic, right? Uh, and that's what he's referring to here. He's, he's talking about the suffering that's not going away. He, he's not talking about, like, the blister I got because I wore too short of socks one day. It's going to heal in three days. He's talking about the, like, imprisonments, the beatings, the threats, the persecution. This is right after he looked at persecution that was not fading. And still saying that we would see it as light and momentary. Did we all hear that? Not really. Can you say it with your voice louder? Yeah. I love that because in what you just said, we are to live in the in the already like it's here, right? So we don't have to like bunker and hide and be like, "Oh Jesus, please." Like we can acknowledge the real suffering, the real pain and believe that no, we're called to be agents of the kingdom of God right now. Right now. So how how do we live with hope right now? Not, ig- not ignoring suffering, actually stepping into it because they coexist. What's that? Yeah. Suffering is a part of the kingdom. It's, that was told to me much later. <laughs> much after I signed up for this life. That, that chapter was hidden. But as soon as you realize that that is not what we looked at last week, right? That is not because you're bad. That's not because somebody sent. It's, it's a part of it. Like, oh, okay, I can, I can do this. And I can walk towards it. And I don't have to be afraid of my suffering or your suffering or systemic suffering. Like, we don't have to sin in response to it, ignore it and just put our head in the, in the dirt and hope Jesus just makes it better. We can trust that Jesus will make it better as you and I are hands and feet as you and I go in here and listen and plead on behalf of people and ache for people, and a piece that we often miss, I think, is right here. How often do you think of the glory that is to come? That's supposed to be already here. In part, right? How often do you think of that? And how much of our day is lived towards that reality? I think sometimes I live towards that reality in a way that ignores or minimizes the present way, like just another way of medicating. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about all that weight of suffering, you hold that, and then still look to that glory. Experience that glory. And watch what Jesus does. 
So let's look at this next phrase he gives here. So we fix on our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So I, I probably kind of viewed this before as like, uh, you, you remember those things that we used to have where there'd be a scene and then you put this piece of like plastic over it that has more colors or things like that and it changes the scene and so like there's all of us here and this is what is seen and then there's unseen things in the room that I, I, I am unaware. I kind of saw that this way and so I'm supposed to see things that I can't see. Um, there's another way to, to read this and I want to give you this. Have you ever fixed your eyes on something like on the horizon as you're driving or as you're walking somewhere? Like I remember when we moved here. Uh, we had visited once and then way too quick we moved uh, and we had no clue what we were doing. But we were driving across the bridge in Indiana and you get to a point and we saw the city. You, you know what I'm talking about. Like you get just over that hill enough that you can see the, the city. And I remember for Nikki and I, it was super emotional. Because Indiana, if you love Indiana, we love you. You got nothing. Like, there's, you don't see anything after Indianapolis. Like, a couple houses, two gas stations. Like, it, it's like, wow, where are we going? And then all of a sudden, there's the city, and we're like, oh, that's going to be our home. And this idea of home held so much, and to this day, held so much restorativeness in that, you know? This is a place that maybe what we've dreamt of will happen. Another great city on that, when you drive up 71 and you're going into Cincinnati, like, that skyline just beats up your eyes in beautiful ways, right? If you don't like Cincinnati, you can picture another one, but... But it's great when you come over that. Or when you know that you're like not far from the ocean and you're driving and you can't see it yet, but you can smell it. You have that happen and all of a sudden like the air smells salty. And then all of a sudden you, you see it and hear it. Or you, uh, when I went into Denver, I didn't realize that Denver was this side of the mountains. So you just drive and it just all looks fascinating. And then all of a sudden, boom, Denver, boom, mountains everywhere. And you're like surrounded. These things are just gorgeous. You can do it on a, on a hike or a walk where you're looking for that one lookout. You know, you've seen the, the signs that say lookout quarter mile up. And you're, you're going down this trail and you're wondering if you're on the right one. And then you get there and it's some breathtaking overlook or lake that you didn't know was there. You know what I'm talking about? What if that's what he means by fix your, fix your eyes like in front of you? Like, like it's, it's right there. It's, it's come, that glory, you can see little bits of it. You see it in, in your friends, your family members. who You see it through the cracks in their clay pots. You, you see the treasure in them. You see a glimpse of that glory. And he's not saying ignore your 
your aging body, ignore what's happening in the outer. He's not saying that, but he is saying, fix your eye, like, look at where you're going. I just wonder what would happen if we did that. I wonder what would happen if we were like, no, all of this is real, all of this pain is real, but like, some of what I'm holding on to, I don't know that I want to hold on to it if, if I'm really going there. Some of it that I'm allowing, like when we look at systemic things, some of the stuff that I'm allowing to be around me and acting like it doesn't bother me, I don't know if I'm going to act like that if I'm really fixing my eyes in front of me. Well, no, no, that can't go. That can't come with me. Those barriers can't be there for these people that I love. Or worse, those barriers can't be there for those people that I am called to love, but I can't even remember that I'm supposed to. Well, if I'm fixing my eyes there, if I'm going towards that, if this thing within me is being renewed day by day by day, if it's really here already, even though I'm aging, even though my foot aches and my, I can feel the, the rain in my bones, <laughs> well, so, some of this I'm going to let go of because, like, I can smell the salt in the air. Can experience some of the first fruits of this. See, this is the image that Paul's giving us here. We get to fix our eyes on the horizon. It's not just what we already see there, it's what we anticipate and know is coming. So when you're going on a on a path you've never gone before, you're trusting the one who went before you and put these signs, right? Like, take it right here. It's a great scenic overpass. It'll cost you. It'll hurt your body. You'll ache a little bit, but it's worth it. If you go this two miles down this road, it's worth what you'll see. And whoever the person was to put the sign down, I don't know who they are, but I, I, I trust them to put the signs in the right place. And, and then I'll go. And when I get there, man, it's worth it. They weren't lying. And I take a picture and show you the picture, and the picture isn't nearly as cool as if you get to just go and see it yourself. And that's kind of part of what this is. We're given a sign by someone who's doing this. Paul's body hurt. Guarantee he felt rain in his bones. His future did not look very good. He had had a ton of privilege. And then he lost it or gave it up or surrendered it he didn't do it all flawlessly he we could talk about that but he knew suffering and he knew persecution he knew real pain so when he's calling it light and momentary he's not belittling his own or yours or mine he's actually talking more about the size and weight of the glory that is to come that we can know now it's a comparison thing. And so, yeah, that, that burden of suffering is legit, but that glory that is to come is even so much more. This is the beginnings of what it looks like, I think, to have this eternal hope stirring in us more day by day by day by day. We smell the salt 
in the air. We, we are headed towards it. We're near. And yet acknowledging that, yeah, the, these bodies, they're, they're aging. They're hurting. The clay's breaking down a little bit. The pain's real. But this glory is being renewed. Anything else you guys are seeing? Yeah. You said it beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, because in no way am I trying to say, like, let's just look to the future. I, I mean, like, right now. Like, this glory is coming, but it's already here. Like, that's the whole point. You're right. I actually I don't want to Greek out together because that gets annoying. But they are all present tense. They're not future. They're not uh, perfect tense. None of those kind of things. They're present tense. Right now, we are wasting away. And right now, we're being renewed. And right now, we're invited to fix our eyes on the glory that already is here, and we will only know more and more and more. And the struggle of this thing is that I once thought, as I know God's glory more and more and more, I'll feel better all the time. It'll fix everything. And God's not really worried about that. He's not making light of it. But someday we won't hurt anymore. Someday we'll know that all our tears were collected and stored, that we're seen, that we're, someday we'll fully embody the idea that we are the beloved. We'll know all of this. And again, I'm not trying to be, fut- like, we don't have to wait. I love that idea of, like, at a funeral, we, yeah. We probably need to laugh sometimes, especially if the person was fun. I'm not going to judge people at their funeral, but we, we should do that.
that's good. And I love that we don't have to, right? We can be curious. We can come up with ideas. We don't have to know it right now. Um, well, we're going to have time in just a couple minutes to, if you want to keep talking about it, we're, we're going to have some time together to do just that. Um, we're going to come up this way and do that. Um, but I'm going to pray, and then Rob's going to lead us through communion, okay? Let's pray together. God, thanks for the ways that you're, you're making us more aware of ourselves. Of how our bodies help us interpret our faith, you, all of this. Thank you that as our bodies age a little, we don't have to be afraid of it. I ask that you'd open our eyes right now. So the ways that you're moving in us, around us, that we would um, we would smell the salt in the air. That we would recognize your glory. That we would belly laugh even in painful spots. As Howard Thurman says, that we would know joy in a minor key. We'd know that you're with us. Thanks. In your name.